Hello, everybody, and welcome to 30 Minute Thrive, your go-to podcast for anything and everything HR, powered by MRA, the Management Association. Looking to stay on top of the ever-changing world of HR? MRA has got you covered. We'll be the first to tell you what's hot and what's not. I'm your host, Sophie Bowler, and we are so glad you're here. Now it's time to thrive. Welcome to this episode of 30 Minute Thrive. We're happy you're here, and I'm excited to give you the latest information on all things talent-related. Is our guest, Jim Morgan, Vice President of Workforce Strategies here at MRA, covers the March edition of MRA's Talent Report. So if you aren't familiar with the monthly talent report, Jim Morgan gives an up-to-the-minute review of what's going on in the world of business with an emphasis on talent, which is based on input from CEOs, CFOs, and HR leaders from MRA's 3,000-plus member companies, 1,000 roundtable participants, and subject matter experts. So thanks for coming on the podcast, Jim. My pleasure. Good to be back. So so let's really kick off the conversation with what's happening in the recruiting retention world. And I know that staying on top of mental health needs has always been a priority for HR and employers, but it's really a tricky thing to be proactive on. So do you want to really start us off with what you're seeing here? Sure. You know, the mental health, everybody mentions it, but when you're trying to figure out, okay, exactly what is it that we do about that, that's where it gets um, a little bit more difficult. We're starting to see companies now use wellness and fitness things as incentives for more time off or for additional pay. That maybe if you walk 10,000 steps a day for 10 days in a row, you get a half day off. Or if you eat right or if you lose weight or you quit smoking, they're trying to figure out how to not necessarily monetize it, but develop it in such a way that now there's real motivation for an employee to say, you know what, that's it's worth it for me now to go and do that because the rewards are not just I feel better and maybe I'll be healthier, but it's also like there's a short term to it that, you know, maybe just kind of keeps people motivated for a while to, to stick with it. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of those treadmills that you can get for under your desk yep. when you're working. Exactly. Walk your steps. Yep. Little incentive. Those those are the types of things. Yeah. Now, so we're seeing companies um, doing mindfulness breaks and mm-hmm. telling people during the course of the day, you know, take a couple minutes to yourself, take a walk yeah. outside. Companies are bringing massage chairs into the mm-hmm. office. We do that yeah. um, here. They're, you know, providing now experiences. Whether you know, a lot of people have been giving gym memberships, and that's directly related. But it might be also a Netflix subscription with sort of a note that says, "Hey, once a week, take two hours and just sit back and you know watch yeah. a movie." Yeah. So I think they're trying to just find things in everyone's lifestyle that those are moments where you you feel good about it. You know, it's good for you. It's what you should do. Mm-hmm. And then if we can give people a little extra nudge to go do it, yeah. Hopefully they're happier, they're healthier, and that means they're more productive at work. Mm-hmm. I know you just listed a few, but do you have any other wellness trends that you are seeing from employers? I think some of it now is around almost training people to understand the wellness and how to take care of them. So, I mean, I can give you a gym membership, but if you never go, it doesn't have a whole lot of value to it. Mm-hmm. But if we can explain to you what are the good things that happen if you exercise three times yeah. a day or if you get out and walk and you do things? So I think the education part of it um, is mm-hmm. becoming a bigger a bigger deal. And a lot of companies have employee assistant programs and they've always had an EAP, mm-hmm. but they didn't necessarily tell anybody they had it. It was probably buried in your benefits somewhere that says, oh, we have an EAP. And some of those cover everything from 
you know, doing your will to, you know, how do you identify your beneficiaries and leave money behind um, to financial planning. And those are all things that are additional stressors in people's lives. And so, again, if we can figure out how to help them with some of those things, then, you know, that's helpful to the employee as well. Yeah. And I know you've mentioned before, like for workplace cafes or cafeterias, now employers are replacing some of that food with a healthier option. Yeah. may not be. Yep. No more like, pizza, yeah. more apples. Exactly. Well, another topic that I'd like to dive into is your talent thinking section, which I know the importance of training and developing employees was really emphasized this month. So can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, the learning and development, a couple of things have happened there. And we'll talk a little bit about emerging leaders, I think, in a minute, because that's been another big part of it. But the shift that's taken place in the workforce right now, generationally, has been a big one. And the expectations of people in the workplace, especially managers and supervisors, has, have changed. So now you're watching all of the baby boomers begin to exit, um, finally. <laughs> And they're being replaced by smaller, a smaller generation, which means we're dipping into the next one, um, which are the millennials. And a lot of them are now being pushed into a leadership position earlier than perhaps I would have been. I might have had 20 years on the job to watch other people, as I say, watch other people make mistakes, so I didn't have to make my own, and then hopefully be smarter as a leader when I got there. And some of the younger um, folks are not getting that same amount of time to do it. So there's a draining issue around that that we can talk about. Mm -hmm. And the second part is I think for a lot of hiring managers and supervisors, especially those that have been at it for a long time, their job has changed dramatically. Mm -hmm. It's changed because of the shortage of people we have. So they have to be much more involved now in recruiting and retention and making sure their people feel satisfied in their job and that they want to stick around. And they've also had to take on more of a role in the entire employee. It's not that I'm just going to evaluate you on your ability to get your work done and your innovation at work. Now it's, what's your mental health? Is there any stress in your life? Is something happening that we need to know about that maybe we can help accommodate it? And so their life has changed quite a bit too And trying to help them understand that they need to understand the younger employees. They're not better, they're not worse, they're different. And what they want is very different. And you can complain about it, but you're also the people that are saying, I need more people to come work for me mm -hmm. because I'm working too much, all right? But if you want us to help you find new people, then you've got to understand how to talk to those people, communicate with those people, and keep those people happy, because if they leave, you're back to having too much work again. Mm -hmm. So all of that falls into that learning and development sort of bucket that says, what are people having to deal with now and how is we as how are we as an employer going to figure out how to train them in that? Yeah. And can you give some examples of what companies are actually doing with that information? Yeah. You know, I think what they're trying to do is one, they're trying to identify the skills. We did that in our in our last um, talent report webinar that mm -hmm. it's it's communications, it's decision making, um, it's accountability. Mm -hmm. It's things that, you know, have been there probably for a long time, but they they are much more prevalent right now. And so they've got to figure out how to do some of those things. We are trying to begin to mix people a little bit more by age as well as by a variety of other things. Uh, if you and I are in the same meeting and somebody says, here's the direction that we're going and this is what we're going to do, your take on it's probably going to be very different than mine. And so 
it's a good thing to have a 25-year-old, a 45-year-old, and a 65-year-old in the same meeting because they're going to see things very differently. Mm -hmm. So you're starting to see the way people do meetings differently, the way they do their strategic planning is changing dramatically, to have different voices in the room, mentoring and reverse mentoring. Um, I think there's a couple of things I could probably teach you. Um, I know there are things that you can teach me. So how do we set up those meetings and those relationships in a way that people can can take advantage of that. So we're trying to take that, this is what we need, and now how do we work it into the to the daily work? Because if we just say, Jim, Sophie, you two should talk to each other once in a while, mm -hmm. that might happen and it might not. And so we have to sort of be um, intentional yep. in, in how we're doing it. Absolutely. And kind of going along with that, you recently spoke at a Generational Differences conference where you really talked about emerging leaders and how, to, how they can use their skills and how to develop them, communicate with them and more. So can you kind of highlight some of the key points that you discussed there? Yeah, we, we actually tag teamed it. So we had a, a millennial and a, and a baby boomer, you know, and started it just by, you know, sort of saying, okay, let's just ask you a couple of questions. You know, okay, if you needed technical assistance, who would you go to, the, the 27-year-old or the 62-year-old? If you wanted help with strategic planning, which one would you go to? Mm -hmm. If you had a financial question, if you needed a project manager, if you wanted to understand what TikTok was, and, and went through a series of questions where some of them are pretty obvious and they're correct, mm -hmm. and some of them you might, you know, be wrong, that you're just assuming mm -hmm. that, well, he's never been on TikTok because he's this age, but she's been on TikTok because she TikTok. One of the biggest generational differences. It's a tic-tac to me. It's a tic-tac to you. Um, it's a hard to say. It is. And, you know, I've been saying tic-tac longer than <laughs> I've been saying tic-tac. So, all right, showing my age. Um, yeah, well, one of those more likely to have, you know, that type of experiences as well. So, you know, we started with that, just trying to get people to say, you know, what sort of opinions, what biases do we have already? Mm -hmm. I just assume a 25-year-old can take can do technology. Yeah. There's probably a 90% chance you're right, but there's some 25-year-olds who never bothered. Right. So, mm -hmm. And there are 60-year-olds who got into it as soon as it came, and are, they love it. Mm -hmm. So just trying to get people to think just because they look like this age, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that that's, that's what's right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we introduced ourselves kind of in a joking way, saying, okay, what's What's your impression, you know, of this person? And I can, you know, say, well, they're on TikTok too much. Okay, that's just my opinion. And then I get to hear the rebuttal on that that says, you know what, you can learn on TikTok. And yeah, okay, you know, that that that's legit. Mm -hmm. You know, and saying, okay, you got to speak up more because you have really good opinions and, you know, you're not necessarily sharing them with people. And so some of it is constructive and some of it is, you know, just in, in good humor. And, you know, the young person can look at me and say, God, your memos are way too long. Mm -hmm. You have these long paragraphs, just like get to the bullet points and you know, yeah. let's be done yeah. with it. Mm -hmm. Or joking when I say, hey, did you see the commercial or what? And they're like, why in the world are you watching commercials? How dumb can you be? So some of those are just sort of like understand yeah. people's different, where they're at, how they consume things, technology, television, radio, music, you know, just very different things. So just... You know, try to open up their minds a little bit to saying, you know, let's think about some of these things before we just run and make, you know, assumptions of, mm -hmm. of what's happening. Absolutely. And in terms of communicating with emerging leaders or developing them, 
What do you really think members ought to be thinking about? I think we've lived in a world for so long that, you know, usually there was a primary form of communication. Mm -hmm. You know, at one point it might have been actually having to make copies of something and stick it in everybody's actual mailbox. And then we knew all the staff got it. Mm -hmm. And then we sent out all emails, you know, emailed all staff saying, okay, here it is. And we assumed everybody got it. We faxed it to people and we assumed everybody got it. And we're in a world now, especially with these four generations that, you know, if I said to you, what's, what's your primary way that you would like me to communicate with you? So if I said, I want to get a hold of you and I want a quick answer, how would you want me to communicate with you? Text me. <laughs> Text me. And that's, that's spot on. You know, and I might say, I'm actually, I would probably say text me at this point too, mm -hmm. mostly though, because I'm adapting to other people, yep. but I would have said, normally I was at email me because that will be the fastest way no. to get a hold of me. But what companies now are having to deal with is if your primary way of communicating is texting and mine is email and others might be on our system and so they want it in chatter yeah. and others say, you know, if you could just do a video and I could watch it, that's easier. And quite frankly, if you recorded it, I can listen to it while I'm driving or something like that. So that's five different ways of communicating the same message, trying to make sure that it gets to everybody. Right. And I think we have to understand that if there's a primary way of communicating with people, that's the way that they're going to consume it. And I cannot like it, but I can't be mad either when they say, well, I don't know, did you ever text me with it? No, I never texted you. Mm -hmm. Come on. Right. And you know, you went through our intern leadership program, and that was one of the questions we asked people was, what do you want most when you, you, know, you start your employment? And after the box of swag was, I want my supervisor's cell phone number. Yep. And that's a huge, you know, you might have a 55-year-old, like, I'm not giving my cell phone number to a 25-year-old. They're going to call me from the bar on Saturday night. You know, that's not the point of it. You know, what the probably you're looking for is, I need an answer to a question, and I want it quick. Absolutely. And if I text you, I bet I get a response from you. Mm -hmm. I can attest to that. <laughs> so, you know, there you have it. So I think, yeah. you know, they're having to try to begin to figure out how do we communicate with everybody in a way that they will actually consume what it is that, that mm -hmm. we want them to consume. For sure. Because like I said, I can throw out a thousand messages, but if I'm putting my messages on commercial TV, mm -hmm. you're not ever going to see it. Right. And if you're putting everything on Spotify, I might never hear it. And so where do we go and, and how do we communicate? Mm -hmm. So kind of moving in a new direction here, there were two recent surveys that MRA just published and they're in this month's talent report, but it's the business and economic outlook for 2023 in the turnover survey. So what was found in these surveys? <laughs> um, I'll go with the second one first because it's easier. Okay. Um, Turnover was up, <laughs> and it was up in almost every type of job. It was about 25% this past year, which is what it was last year, but historically had been more in that 15, 16, 17% range. So it's still there, and it's still going on. It's much higher at the um, lower-level jobs than it is at the executive jobs. Executives as low as 8 or 9%, um, but the people that maybe are in... Um, a manufacturing job that are just starting, it might be as high as 35%. So the turnover is still there and companies are really trying to focus on keeping them for that first week and month. And 
if they can keep them for that first week and month, they've got a much better chance. And so you're seeing a lot of how do we surround this person with buddies or friends or mentors? How do we keep in touch with them? How do we contact them? And spending a lot of time on that. But the the turnover is up. I think right now um, the employers are a little bit more optimistic that maybe we're going to stabilize here, that those who were jumping just for money have perhaps jumped and others are starting to look around and say, okay, I've got the wage that I'm looking for. We always want more, but I'm pretty comfortable. Now what I'm looking for is maybe a little more longevity, a little bit more about what do you have to offer, a little bit more about my work-life balance. So maybe it's going to start evening out. We'll see. We're still at 2% unemployment here in Wisconsin. Um, we're around under three in Minnesota. We're around three in Iowa, a little bit higher in Illinois. So there's still going to be opportunities for people. If there's opportunities for people, they're a little bit more likely to move. Right. And how about the business and economic? The business and economic one is, is really fascinating because I think individually within people's companies, they remain pretty optimistic that if I'm a manager, I mean a manufacturer, I might have six months backlog. So I know I've got work that's coming in and people can see that most of their customers and clients are still doing well. So they're feeling pretty good about that. But then you ask them about, well, do you see a recession coming? Do you think that's going to happen? And, you know, over two thirds are saying, yeah, I think we're going to see that. And then you ask another question that says, well, then how optimistic are you? And almost 90% are either very or somewhat optimistic that their company is going to remain profitable and do all right. So it's almost like my company's okay, but the rest of the world is in a lot of trouble. But there's a lot of people saying my company is okay. So if there's enough companies that are saying, I think mine's all right, maybe we're in better shape than we think. Now, the Midwest, I think, is very unique because as we've talked demographics in the past, we, we're going to have a labor shortage and we could have some people doing layoffs and still have other companies who can pick them up. So to the extent that we're going to keep people employed in northern Illinois and Iowa and Minnesota and uh, Wisconsin. That's going to make a difference for us. I think it I think it'll make us a little bit more resilient because those companies optimism means, OK, they're going to be hiring people and most are still saying they are looking. So that that gives us kind of a leg up. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe we're going to be OK here. Yeah. And in terms of C-suite level, what are leaders really doing now? They are, you know, they continue to be concerned a little bit about the uncertainty. And that is one of the things that, you know, if you're a CEO and you're looking at things, the one thing you want to do is really be able to control the narrative. You want to be able to say, look, I I can control these types of things. But if you're going to have price increases every two weeks, if the government is going to pass some new compliance law or they're going to change the way in which they might... Um, say we, we can't have non-competes, that changes the way we do things. There is all kinds of political activity out there. There is world affairs going on. Mm-hmm. So all of those things combined, you start adding five or six or seven or eight of these together and it's kind of like, you know, let me control what I can control. I can hire people, I can improve my processes, but you're throwing all these other things at me right. and that's causing me quite a bit of strife. So mm-hmm. I, I think that that's, a, that's an issue for them. They understand the talent issue for sure, and they continue to be concerned about that. And I think they're spending a little bit more time with their HR department saying, you know, what do we do about this? 
And in my presentations, I often say, well, you know, the problem looks an awful lot like me, that there's a lot of people that are, you know, 60 some years old, have been doing this for a long time. And they're saying, oh, these young people, you know, what's coming in here? How do we get them to be more motivated? And I would argue that I think they're as motivated as they've ever been. It's just, we're looking at digging into the the 2%, which I think unemployment was 7% when I was looking for my first job. So there's 200 people applying for every job. I picked the best one. Mm -hmm. You're walking around saying, I got five people who want me to come work for them. I can pick whichever one I want. So that's a that's just a very yeah. different world. Absolutely. And I think they're pushing their um, HR departments very hard on, especially going back to this emerging leader thing, mm -hmm. what should we be doing? The, the mentoring, the reverse mentoring, the helping them with assessments of, personalities and assessments of communication styles, getting them into team building and cross-functional teams, putting the high potentials on our strat planning mm -hmm. group, giving them opportunities to see this is where I can be a bigger part of this organization. If I know I'm a part of it, I'm going to stay. And if I see opportunities, then we'll be much better off. Mm -hmm. So I think at this point, everybody's figured out if we can hang on to people, we don't have to be looking for as many people. So yeah. that's... Um, that's sort of where folks are at and saying, yeah, let's let's keep the ones we get because we spent a lot of money and time trying to get them. Yeah. And how about um, for HR strategies? What are you seeing for creative HR strategies wise? You know, I think the, the most creative one that I got uh, this time around from one of my roundtables, um, it was a smaller rural town, but it was a company that had changed their name, um, wasn't necessarily delivering a product direct to consumer where you'd say, oh, I recognize that it's Coca-Cola, you know, mm -hmm. I get it. And they were, they've been recruiting and they're trying to find people and there's just not that many people and a lot of folks are, you know, stealing from each other. And they decided it really as an effort to try to get their name back out there and remind people that they were in town, basically held a community event. And it was just sort of like a community fair. They had games for the kids. Um, they had you know, drink tickets, they had a tent, they had all kinds of fun activities for people to do and just said, come on in, we want to celebrate the community and we'll see what happens. Yeah. And then near the where the drink tickets were, they had set up a booth that just explained who their company was and what they did and, you know, they had job applications mm -hmm. there as well. And what they found was one, people didn't know they were there and they were picking up brochures and saying, wow, this is really interesting. But they also got 25 employees out of the deal from the applications that were picked up. Yeah. And these weren't even necessarily people that were looking, but they saw it. They came to a place that was fun. Mm -hmm. They saw the employees that were there and they were having yeah. fun and looked like they were committed to the company. And if you asked them about it, would say, you know, good thing. Yeah. And this is a company that puts on activities like this. This all sounds pretty good to me. And just based on their experience there that day and talking to their employees, they got 25 new employees out of it yeah. at a time when they'd been spending thousands on advertising and using recruiters and maybe getting two or three. Mm -hmm. So yeah, almost right. by accident, but outside the box. Um, yeah. So, so I would say that that was probably the most uh, creative one mm -hmm. I think I saw in the, in the last month. Yeah. It sounds creative. Ended up um, well for them. Yeah. So. Worked out well. And I yeah. might have another one. <laughs> Well, as we kind of wrap up here, there's a lot of changes happening in the workforce, and a lot of that is tied to population. 
So can you talk about the change in population over the last 10 years and how that's really affected the workforce? Yeah, we, you know, if you look around, and I've mentioned this before, the the Northeast and the Upper Midwest um, are sort of the places where that is not where people are moving to, mm-hmm. and so without that migration, um, that's a that's a problem. And so, good news over the last ten years, um, we saw growth in Wisconsin and Minnesota and Illinois between three and five percent, which isn't great, but at least it's growth. Um, Illinois is is struggling. It's one of the biggest migration out states, so they they have their own set of issues. But before everybody gets too excited about plus three, four, five percent, the digging into the numbers is really the key. And that growth in three, four, five percent aren't all working age people. In fact, very few of them are in the working age population. Um, more of them are going to be near the retirement age side of things. And so um, it could be worse. Um, but most of the states, especially when you go south and when you go west, are having more growth than that. Most of it is around hot spots when you see the Portlands and the Denvers and the Carolinas and Austin, Texas. That's where people are going. Um, and we don't necessarily have one of those in some of our states. Minneapolis-St. Paul is a draw. It's a hub. Um, but that's really about the only one for Minnesota. Milwaukee's trying hard. Madison's doing a good job. But they still don't compete with that sort of national buzz about some of those other places where you might just say, that looks like a cool place and that's where I'm going. I'll find a job, I'll figure it out when I get there. Mm -hmm. Because you can do that because you know that there will be a job there. Right, yeah. Well, looking to the future a little bit, can you give us a sneak peek on April's talent report? Yeah, we're gonna be looking at employee engagement. Um, And as I know others have talked about here, last year was a really big, let's go recruit, 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 recruit. Mm -hmm. And I think people are going to keep doing that. But in the process of doing that, you started realizing, well, if I've got to recruit 20 and 10 others leave, I'm only up 10. And so I got to keep recruiting, recruiting. So I think people are looking more at retention. And we'll have um, Lisa Pugan, who does a lot of our organizational development work, talking about some of the assessments you can use and trying to make sure that people are happy, employee engagement surveys, finding out what's on their mind, and then trying to figure out you know, what are the benefits and what's the culture and what's the structure we've got at our organization that's going to have those people stay with us for the long term because okay. the longer they're there, the more they know and the more we need them. Great. Well, looking forward to it. Yeah, I do. Um, any other last pieces of advice or lasting comments you want to share? I think people got to just uh, you know, dig in and keep fighting. Um, I think the creativity is going to be key. It's just, you know, it's the party. It's figuring out What's the niche group that we want to go after? It's finding a new place to go look for people. Um, it's not going to end. And so people are going to have to just keep working at it, and that's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry about that, but the creative ones are winning, and um, they're successful. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for being on 30-Minute Thrive today and really sharing this month's talent report with us. So if you liked our chat and topic today, Make sure you share this episode, leave a comment, leave a review, consider joining MRA if you aren't a member already. We have all the resources you need in the show notes below, including Jim's bio, his LinkedIn profile. So if you want to get in touch with him, I'm sure he'll be happy to chat with you. 
Otherwise, thank you for tuning in today and we will see you next week. And that wraps up our content for this episode. Be sure to reference the show notes where you can sign up to connect for more podcast updates. Check out other MRA episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, make sure to follow MRA's 30-Minute Thrive so you don't miss out. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next Wednesday to carry on the HR conversation.